Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. I came across a Bloomberg story this week that, I have to say, really warmed my heart. It reports that the number of times analysts on earnings calls degrade themselves with the all-too-familiar platitudes along the lines of, great quarter guys, are trending lower. I love the fact that we can actually track this through language analysis. Congratulatory remarks, that's the defined term it seems, are down 29% in Q3 according to Bloomberg. Let's hope the trend is our friend with regard to this practice. All right, on to the main event. This week, our three things are, one, the AT1 market, it's back. Two, carried away. The sentiment shifts lately have been breathtaking. Here's what you need to know. And three, retailer earnings. We'll let you in on what we're seeing about what they're seeing. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. The AT1 market returns. Full disclosure, I'm an AT1 guy. For the uninitiated, additional Tier 1 securities are deeply subordinated regulatory capital securities issued by foreign banks, also known as COCOs or contingent convertibles. Now, when the first ever issue popped out back in 2009, I was a fan. That was a controversial stance to take at the time, as conservative investors didn't like the fact that they could be wiped out at the hand of regulators that could write down substantially the value of the securities if the issuing bank's capital position fell below a certain threshold. Fresh out of the GFC, that was enough to scare off many investors. Bulls, however, viewed it another way. High-yielding securities issued by large, oftentimes national, champion banks. What could possibly go wrong? Well, what could go wrong was graphically illustrated this past spring in the case of Credit Suisse, when regulators forced the long-troubled bank to merge into its across-the-strass competitor UBS. In the resolution process, Credit Suisse's AT1s were wiped out while shareholders, shareholders, actually got something. To some, AT1 securities became known as subordinated equity. Ouch. Many wondered if there would be an AT1 market in the aftermath. The Bloomberg Index tracking the sector saw yields break through 15% in March. It ultimately took a while, but the AT1 market has rebounded with yields dropping through 10% and the new issue market opening back up to enthusiastic demand. BNP started the market back in August, and a few others... BBVA, Mitsubishi UFJ, have joined in. This past week saw a flurry of new issuance in the sector with Sokgen, UBS, and Barclays joining the party. UBS issued $3.5 billion in two tranches into a reported $36 billion of demand. Both tranches had coupons of 9.25%. Barclays followed with $1.75 billion at 9.58 into an estimated $22 billion of demand. It's a lot of yield for national champions. This is not to say that this is a too-big-to-fail market. Credit Suisse clearly proves it isn't. And we know this market will be volatile. It always has been, on as little as temporary, broadly-based risk-off sentiment, but especially at deteriorating points in the credit cycle. Believers would counter with the fact that these issuers are big public institutions with plenty of disclosure and rigorous market discipline. And this remains a big market, $166 billion, one where new issue supply 
will create demand. As long as you think the European and global economies are not falling off a cliff, we like these stories. All right, on to our second thing, carried away. Remember all the way back to November 1st, all of 12 trading sessions ago, when the world was ending? We do, because we let off that week's three things in credit, recounting a rant by one street strategist who was just this side of apoplectic, lamenting that investor sentiment had cratered and that people have no idea what 2024 looks like. Today, we find ourselves, astonishingly, at the other end of the spectrum. The soft landing narrative has quickly become consensus, and risk assets have ripped, stocks up 9% off of recent lows, and high-yield spreads are in 50 basis points. Oh, and the 10-year has gone from piercing 5% on the upside to blowing back through 4.5%. In 30-plus years of doing this, I don't know if I've ever seen such a pivot. Now, to that end, CNN's Fear and Greed Index, which takes into account seven technical factors driving risk market performance, went from extreme fear at the end of October, which, by the way, was where we were at the height of the bank failure scare back in March, to greed today. The catalysts? Well, that's a good question. Market observers have scrambled to find a narrative to the market move and have come up with Treasury refunding came down a bit and inflation continues along its, by now, well-worn path lower. This all feels to me like a zig in the markets followed by a zag. In other words, a bounce after what was the worst October in three years in the stock market to full-on Santa Claus rally. Student body left, student body right. Now, pulling back from the hurly-burly of markets, we see this. The problem, inflation, remains firmly on the path to being fixed, but visibility as to when the Fed gets to target remains somewhat limited. Part of the solution, improving supply chain constraints, has been fixed. The other part of the solution, credit tightening to tamp down demand, comes at a cost that has yet to be defined. That tightening, and the cost that comes with it, comes not just from the Fed, but also the banks and markets. As we look forward, it is worth remembering these two things. One, that economic growth troughs after the last rate hike. And two, that the Fed is incentivized to overshoot. And while the economy is reasonably well positioned to absorb the cost of tightening due to the strong starting points of both consumers and businesses coming into this correction, a big part of that growth, consumer excess savings, is running off, which will remove a significant source of economic growth in 2024. Now, taking all of that into consideration, we think the U.S. will avoid recession ultimately in 2024, although we expect growth to be sub-potential, approaching stall speed in the first half, and corporate earnings growth to be positive but below consensus. In a nutshell, that's been our view going back to the March events, the volatility around those three good-sized U.S. bank failures. At various times, this view has been non-consensus, and at other times, it's been consensus. And that, quite possibly, will be the case in 2024, with noise coming from geopolitics, U.S. election posturing, governmental dysfunction, and, of course, central banks, both here and abroad. All right, on to our third thing, consumer grounding. This is coming. In adjusting to normalization, businesses are more rational. They saw slowdown coming, that was probably back in the fourth quarter of 2021, and they adjusted. They cut costs. They dialed back CapEx. Consumers, on the other hand, are more delusional. 
In good times, they elevate spending. And they have never seen times as good as 2021 with helicopter money pouring in from stimulus packages in Washington. As the affluence cycle turns, as it always does, consumers defy gravity for a while, spending away. When savings run down, they tap borrowing sources to keep their lifestyle going until reality sets in. At that point, savings have run down just as wage growth softens and borrowing capacity shrinks. Soon, job insecurity rises. We think of that cycle as we pour through the latest retailer earnings reports. We should mention, and start with, October retail sales, where the control group was in line with the consensus estimate. That was up 0.2 tenths off of a slightly revised up September. But year-on-year, monthly gains are declining, plus 2.7% down from plus 3.8% in September. Consumer staples sales are growing, while durable goods, things like cars, furniture, and appliances are contracting, as is clothing, sporting goods, and restaurant meals. All of this should make the Fed happy. The softening theme is plainly seen in retail earnings commentary. At Target, management notes that consumers are making tough choices in the face of inflation. Those choices are resulting in soft trends in discretionary categories, which drove the company's comparable sales down 4.9% over the prior year period. Management is quick to highlight that pressures like higher interest rates, resumption of student loan repayments, increased credit card debt, and reduced savings rates have left them with less discretionary income forcing them to make trade-offs in their family budgets. As we would say, as expected. At Walmart, the story is better, but is that a good thing from a macro standpoint? Walmart, of course, is a trade-down beneficiary. Consistent with that, the company was able to grow sales in the latest quarter and raised full-year sales and earnings guidance. And yet the stock is off 7%. That tells you something. Now, similar to Target, the company is seeing a shift to staples from general merchandise. As we would say, as expected. And over at Home Depot, management is seeing pressure in certain big-ticket discretionary categories. To wit, we know now that the Fed definitely has a higher-for-longer monetary posture, and that's going to continue to pressure durable goods in financing or motivation for larger home improvement projects. As we would say as expected. Anecdotal evidence for sure, but all of this is consistent with a theme we expect to see over the course of 2024, the consumer coming back to earth. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, the AT1 market, high yielding, strong credits. Two, carried away. It's still too early to declare what kind of a landing we're in for. And three, retailer earnings. The consumer is coming back to earth. As always, thanks for joining. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our ratings reports and our latest research. We won't see you here next week on account of the holiday. Here's wishing you and yours a happy and safe Thanksgiving. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. 
That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.